What's going on, family? This is your boy DJ Preach, the founder of the Life Show Radio. And I see that you're doing great things right now by keeping it locked here on the MTMV Sports Podcast. Yeah, I better be talking about the Carolina Panthers. Let's go. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in Hey, how y'all doing? This is Rick Sincere with MTNV Sportsman. I'm blessed to be joined by a phenomenal author today, a phenomenal writer. I mean, look, when I tell y'all this book that she wrote is just so incredibly awesome that you just have to check it out. We'll get into all that. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but um, I'm so geeked to be joined by her today. Melissa Riley, how are you doing today, ma'am? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Um, just, you know, fresh off of reading your book, and I'm just so um, excited to have you on. Um, we're going to hop into, I guess, some of the details and get into some of your background. Um, but I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of cool. Are y'all still on lockdown out there? Yes, we are. They actually shut down some more stuff like yesterday. Really? They opened up more like restaurants and stuff, but my fiance went to get his oil changed yesterday and the guy was saying they just got business back going and now they shut them back down. They can't work no more. Wow. Wow. Look, I'm looking at your setup. Your setup looks beautiful. Tell us where you are. Oh, thank you. I'm actually at a studio in Hollywood where we normally do our recordings. The audio book was recorded here. My son did his version of the audiobook here. And wow. uh, yeah, my future husband produces out of the studio. So, you know, what's his is mine now. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Take that. Claim that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yo, so um, look, like I said, we're here with, with author Melissa Riley, writer of the book Tommy's Two Mommies. And absolutely incredible book. I highly recommend it. Like I said before, it's about a young boy in foster care who gets a chance to visit with his real mom on the weekends, but live with his foster mom. Um, Melissa, what about your life experiences sparked the idea for you to sit down and start writing this book? Um, honestly, the imaginary, the imaginary part came from my son because like we at some point didn't have a car. So when we would be walking down the street, he'd be like, oh, mommy, look, you know, the bu- the buses that are conjoined, like he would call it the Caterpillar bus. And like, so a lot of the references in that book actually came from him just, you know, being himself and just saying like, uh, like one of the, unfortunately we saw a guy begging for change on the free one. He was like, he looks like a troll. Like, you know, so it's like, oh, I'm like, well, let's pay him so we could cross the bridge. Like all of the things in the book are like things that me and my son kind of experienced, you know, and it just so happened when we didn't have a car, we were in Los Angeles, downtown, you know, passing through a lot of, so he's seen and experienced a lot of the, you know, the homelessness that they have. And we wrote the bus and the Metro and all of that. So a lot of those references came from his tiny little brain. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Look, <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm reading the book in the beginning, um, and we're going to get to how it's written, because I want to get there with you as well. But as okay. I'm reading the book in the beginning, um, and, I, and I see, I know it's from a child's imagination. I know it's from a child's point of view. And as I'm hearing the caterpillar, I'm like, okay, what, what could this be? I couldn't really right. reach it. You know what I mean? I'm, right, like, I'm like, what right, could this right. be? But then and, you keep turning. 
and it makes sense. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Look, you mentioned in the book um, that circumstances led you to live on Skid Row in LA. Um, do you recall what, what it was like living on Skid Row? Do you recall what it was like living with your mother and your sister during that time? I mean, you know what? It was honestly sometimes very terrible. Uh, it started off, my mom started off in shelters. But um, oftentimes I remember my mom fighting because they would steal in there. You know, that was the main thing. Like they would run through each other's belongings. And so my mom got pretty much fed up with it. But I remember one day um, some newscasters came in and they were paying women for their story. So my mom said, you know, I'll tell my story, just black my face out. And she, she did it and they paid her. And with the money that they gave her, um, she put us in the Cecil Hotel, which is now called Stay on Main Street, downtown Maine, Los Angeles. But yeah, she, uh, you know, we stayed in the hotel and that's actually where we were taken away from out of the Cecil Hotel. So she managed to pull it off for, you know, a couple of months of nights in the room. And back then it was way cheaper. It was like 33 bucks a night. So yeah, so she ha- she managed, but um, it was rough. It was It was really, really rough. And you know, food banks and going stand in line, uh, eating at the shelters for the holidays. And it was a lot of that mainly. And, you know, at the time I was five and my sister was seven, but my sister understood more. And I thank God for her because she was more so like a protector for me throughout that time because my mom was doing whatever she could to make, uh, ends meet and a lot of times it involved leaving us by ourselves so my sister was a big help at that time you know yeah so were you were you able to go to school during those times yeah I remember going to school um I remember walking to school but it never really lasted long like um you know what in all honesty I think when we moved from Louisiana it was like the end of the school year so I think I did like a month in school or something like that, but it it definitely wasn't a long uh, time that I went to school, and I I don't I wouldn't even remember what school it was. You know, I was like five. So yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned in the book that you were adopted at the age of twelve um, after spending some time in foster care. Did you find it challenging to adapt to um, becoming an adopted member of a family? Um, yes, I did. I found it extremely challenging at times. Um, like, uh, I remember when the adoption was final, one of my uncles, uh, which was my adoptive mom's brothers, I went up to him. And I'm like, oh, hey, uncle, so-and-so. And he's like, oh, I'm not your uncle. You know, I'm not your uncle. That crushed me as a kid. You know, it 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 upset my adoptive mom, too. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty hard. But I will say that growing all of my cousins that I have and stuff like we all genuinely love each other. And so it just grew, but I did go through a lot of hard, um, uh, I don't, I don't know if I would say trauma, but it was just a lot of different things that when you're adopted, it's kind of like, okay, I have my biological kids cause we got adopted into a family that had, you know, kids already, but they were grown. So I just, I, for one, say that I just felt like I I experienced a little bit of mis, not mistreatment, but they treated them a little bit differently, I would say, Mm. than they did us. And I always get like antsy when I talk about that because I don't want to drag nobody's name or nothing. I really appreciate what they've done. But, um, you know, in telling my story and in God calling me to be a 
advocate for foster care, I feel like I have to tell it how I feel and, you know, tell my truth. So, yeah. Were you and your sister adopted together or were you adopted separately? Yes, we were adopted together. My sister is a feisty firecracker. And like, I remember in foster care, they used to talk about splitting us up and she'd be like, Mm-mm. like, oh, well, I guess we staying in the group home then because <laughs> y'all not splitting us up, you know? So she, my sister was the glue and still is for my family and she kept us together. So yeah, we got adopted into the same family. I love it. All right. So let's let's get a little bit more into it. You stated on the um, cover that you read books while you were in foster care to help you escape the reality, which inspired you to become an author. But like I said, you know, writing is a gift, right? Um, right. <laughs> and, but you have it, right? Right, so right. At what point in your journey was that clear to you? Like, I really have this gift and I want to use it. Um, you know what? Honestly, it, it probably as as a teen, um when I would start writing because I always read books um and a lot of that reading in foster care was due to like them not having tvs in the room so we kind of had to entertain ourselves and I remember this one home they had a box of books and that's kind of where I started but um I guess I just I just started writing poems in like eighth grade I guess and then from high school on I would just write like you know little uh boyfriends that I have like oh can you write this essay for me or something you know so I've just always been a writer like I love to write so yeah look the structure of the story is so amazing because if as you're reading it like I said at first I'm like what is this what is that what is that right it has that sixth sense type element right like you realize at the end what everything really is um It just shows you how big the imagination, the imagination of a child really is. What inspired you to write the story in that way? Um, honestly, I just feel like when I was in foster care, when I would read books, I felt a part of the book. Like I felt like I was in the book. So I wanted to give it a realistic spin to where Okay, yes, kids do use their imagination a lot of the times, you know, 90% of the time. But what is the real part of how, you know, how he really feels like, you know, what he's really seeing and his imagination takes him one place. But what's really going on is just how beautifully he can escape his reality and make it something better so I don't know honestly I would I couldn't tell you I just started writing it and I just wrote it and it just made sense and it was like yeah this is this is it you know so I don't know at one point I found myself during my creative process writing down like caterpillar next to like extended bus and then you know the different references next to and then I was just like you know it makes sense and it works so yeah and my son played a huge part in that because like the realistic part is more so me telling how I felt, right, as a kid at that time. Mm. But the imagination part, my son brought that into me because, like, I had a rough childhood, and I don't really have a lot of great memories, like how I overextend for my son. I try to make sure he has a lot of great memories. So I don't have a lot of great memories, but his innocence of everything around us and him just calling it, oh, the caterpillar bus, you know, it just, it made sense. And like I said, his imagination is really what played a part because I didn't really have an imagination, I should say. Books were my imagination. So, yeah. 
I love it. I love it. I love the way so far. I mean, I'm, I, I love the story, but I love the way you guys work together. Right. Like I've, I've kind of yes. followed you on, <laughs> on Instagram for a while. Look, and people don't know we family, but, right. <laughs> but right. uh, I've followed you on, on IG and, and you're a good follower. You're a great follower on IG. Oh, but I followed you. You. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I follow you on IG and even just as like, you know, from a distance as a fan, right. Um, I can kind of see like you and your son, right. Like, yeah. it's, like you guys face the world together. You challenge the world together. Like you Everything. go through the world together. Right. So it's beautiful to see that you all work together to, to create this amazing story. Yes. Yes. And he has a version of the audio book. He's the voice of Tommy actually. So yep, we were able to bring that to life and he's awesome. He loves it. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Look, the book is illustrated um, by, and I want to say this name. You help me say it, okay? It's Rory Can. It's, it's actually Rowy. Rowy, okay. Uh huh. Cancio. Cancio. Rowy Cancio. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and but the illustrations are incredible. Um, they actually play a major role in the way the reader feels about the story, especially on that walk back. Right. So. Yes. The walk to, like, you, you, you get a good feeling for the illustrations because most things are illustrated. But then on right. the walk back, man, like, honestly, if you're just reading, if you're just kind of reading it, you need those illustrations with the book to kind of help right. you really picture and see um, yes. things. And I absolutely love that. Um, so talk to me about Roe's role in the creation of this book. Roe honestly was a huge part. Um, he would send me the photos and I would say, do this, do that, do this, and it would be done instantly. Um, it took three years to write this book. Well, it took me like a week, right? But the whole process of everything, he had a heart attack in the middle of us for the production process. Like we were like four pictures away. And Roe got sick, you know, he had a heart attack. So we had to give him two months off and he was, we, we wanted to give him longer. And he was like, no, I, I'm ready. I need to get up. I need to do something. You know, I can't succumb. So he really pushed through for us. And, you know, honestly, his creative is so awesome. And it, it I think the book really shows his range because here you have the, whimsical little illustrations of oh what it what it could be but then when you see the realistic part it's so raw and it's so like wow this does look like downtown or this you know it actually feels like I'm walking past this guy begging for change you know so he the way he did it when I explained it to him what I wanted he took it and he ran with it and honestly he did an amazing job and he was so anxious to get back to work and we were like no you need a calm down, you know, we're like, he's like, it was a minor heart attack. I'm fine. So yeah, but he's super, he's super chill and an awesome person. And he does a lot of work for a lot of great people, but he, this book, I was super excited to have him do. And he's doing book two too. So yeah. I, I love it. So the first, okay. So um, the first half of the book, the drawings are actually like really cartoony. Like you can see the cartoon, cartoon, right. like, you know, range there. Right, right. Right. But then you're right. It's still a cartoon, even when you flip further, but it's a raw cartoon and the drawings right. feel a lot raw. Yes. Um, um, raw. And it's, like it's a amazing. grown up comic. Yeah. Type yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the switch is like, it's so immediate, but then the switch happens not only for the reader through your eyes, but like in your heart, like you feel the change. Right. The oh, up. that's what I wanted. That's exactly Absolutely. what I wanted. 
Absolutely. It's, it's, it's incredible. So, okay. Um, I, I have this to ask. I want to make sure that we get some advice, right? We need some okay. advice from you because there are a lot of people out there with, with stories that they want to talk about, stories that they want to share, right? Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, I need to ask you your why, right? Why did you feel this story needed to be told? I felt like it needed to be told because a lot of times foster children are ashamed of their situation. They get teased in school. I was teased in school. You know, it's something that you can't control. So I felt like this book needed to be shared majority for kids that feel like Tommy, but also for like foster parents, because I remember when I found my biological dad, right? And then I was already adopted. I got adopted at 12 and then I met him at 16. So I remember innocently being on the phone with one of my friends and saying, oh yeah, my real dad is going to come check my car. And my adoptive dad flipped. It was terrible. They made me feel like the most terrible. I was like, I, I didn't mean it, you know? And they were like, what do you mean real? You know, real. And so I, I want foster parents to understand that, yes, you are a blessing to the child's life and it doesn't take away for what you've done for them, but they do have biological parents. They are emotionally tied to. So with Tommy, you can feel how much he loves to go visit his mom, but then you can feel when he goes back home, how loved he is. So I wanted to give both sides so that you know, foster parents could maybe understand just a little bit like, okay, it's not nothing I'm doing, you know, and then you see Tommy's room. It's awesome. It's laid out just the way, you know, foster parents are supposed to have it, but he's loved. You can tell, you know, his foster mom really, really loves him. And so I just wanted for foster parents to also understand that, you know, it's nothing that you do when a child is missing their biological mom or their biological parent. It's nothing against you personally. It's just that they're emotionally tied and it's up to you to just kind of pick them up at the end of the day and literally pick them up, their spirit, whatever, you know, it could be. So that was really one of the main reasons why I was like, this has to be, you know, it has to help not only foster children that are ashamed, but it has to somehow touch a foster parent that's like okay you know what I see you know what I mean like uh, it's a child's perspective but he's using his imagination but then you see the raw side and you see Tommy go from extremely happy to extremely sad and it's nothing his foster mom did to him you know it's just his emotional tie to his biological mom which we all have you know yeah, even in the book, you can see Tommy walking from like a situation that could be, you know, maybe not the best for a kid, right? Right. And right. then moving into a situation that that seems a little bit safer to grow up in. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, it's that's I think that's what touches you, right? Mm-hmm, right. Because you're you're happy that Tommy's being taken care of, but you also kind of that adventure that he has when he's with his mom. You, you want him to still be able to have that. Right, and not only that, but the moms are working together. They're not, you know, against each other. They're meeting up and they're they're working together. So that's another lesson that I hope that people can take from this book too, that it's okay to work together. It takes a village to raise a child, you know? And of course they may have their favorites or whatever the case may be, but everybody plays a traumatic, you know, part in someone's, when you are, go through trauma, like anything someone does to you is, is traumatic. It, you, the little things, can be taken so 
serious, you know? So I just want, you know, the moms to know, work together, you know, it, the foster mothers to know, like your foster child still loves you and, and cares for you. It's nothing personal, you know? I love it. Melissa, so let's let's now get to that advice, right? Because there are people out there who who believe they're writers. They have stories that they want to get out, right? right. Um, but they may be afraid to get started. They're like, you know, maybe I don't have the confidence or maybe I can write a little bit, but I can't really do it um, to, you know, to that capacity. How would you advise right. them to start on their writing journey? Honestly, I would say find an idea, stick to it, write an outline for it. You're not going to write the story overnight. But the key major points is what you want to dwell on. Like, what do you want your book to be about? Who do you want to address in this book? Who do you want this book to reach? And once you know that and you have your idea, the outline is the most important thing because it's going to, your outline is maybe like six sentences, but these sentences turn into two, three pages, you know? So you take your big major ideas and then you break them down into small ideas and eventually it all ties in together, but you don't want to rush. And like, for me, when I get writer's block, I go hiking. So I would say, find something that helps you clear your mind from distractions. You know, I also have it bad putting my phone on do not disturb so that I can get something done. So, I mean, I would say focus and do you want to write a book, find the idea, stick to it. And, you know, whatever it is, do it with a purpose and always pray before you write, because I always pray before I do anything, but mainly uh, I talk to God and ask him to bless me with the words, uh, you know, to put down on paper to go further. So that that would be a that would be a, a key aspect. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Look, um, and, and this is a question um, that I was able to actually get from my wife. She says, um, do you have any advice or words to offer um, for someone considering foster care or adoption? Um, yes, I do. I would, uh, the advice I would give for foster parents, um, because that's more of a shorter spell and you have more different frequencies in and out of your house. I would say, you know, it's, it's kind of hard not to get attached to the child when you love them like your own, but still just love them like your own. A lot of these kids, <clears throat> you know, they come from an environment where it's not so plush and, you know, not to say you have to spoil them or anything, but I would say, take the opportunity to show this child something different. They've already seen the worst. They've already seen, you know, mama doing this, daddy doing that, wasn't right. Whatever reason that landed them into your home, you know, take the time to just show them something different. You know, take them places. It's memories that I have from foster homes, just from going to Knott's Berry Farm or something, you know, it's the time of my life. So I would say, you know, take the advantage, take them places and, you know, not to offend anyone, but I will say don't do it for a check because if you're not well off, that foster check is not going to help you pay your mortgage and your rent. And, and, you know, it's really for the child. So I would say, you know, make sure your heart is in the right place. Make sure your finances are in the right place. And just, you know, get take that time while the child is in your home to show them something different. Now, as far as adoption, <clears throat> I would say that's the long haul. And for me, um, a lot of, I'm, I'm a sensitive person. So um, a lot of things hurt my feelings with my adoptive, you know, parents or whatever. Uh, so I would just say, if you're going to do it, do it for the long haul. You are the parent. Um, the phone works both ways after the child is out of your care. 
you know, um, you have to still be there and they expect for you to still be there, you know? So I would say as an adopt, as far as adoption goes, you want to make sure you're in it for the win, like for the long haul, you want to see this child succeed. That child will be at your funeral. You know, you want to check on this child daily because it's one thing to give a child an awesome home, you know, and okay, yes, you grew up, like I fed you every day and I gave you this and I, I got braces for you and stuff. That's one thing. But to actually care and like check on your, your babies, because that's what they are. Once you adopt them, it's no fine line. It's no nothing in between, you know. So I just feel like, you know, don't show no difference between the children, you know, any kid that's been through trauma have to work up to love because they're not used to it. Have patience to do to deal with that because you know it, it takes a lot. And um, if you're not ready for it, I I wouldn't suggest adopting kids that have already gone through something and you make it worse. You know what I mean? Like you have to definitely be have your head in the game, be in it for the long haul, and the same treatment that you would give the child that came out of your wound, you got to be able to give that to an adoptive child like kind of a little bit more you know what i mean because they need it just just a little bit more look um so i have a few of these um quick hitter questions okay. right and so okay. they're they're quick hitters <laughs> so i just ask a question first thing come to your mind you drop it okay, okay? this sounds fun <laughs> you ready yes all right here we go all right so um best restaurant to visit in la bossa nova why? Oh, I love Bossa Nova. I went there twice for my birthday. Okay. My birthday I, went there so I love Bossa Nova. Their pasta, the food is fresh. Uh, it's better places, but you asked me, so I would definitely, if, if you come visit, we for sure go. Bet, bet, bet. Yes. So, okay. Most challenging part of being an entrepreneur? Mm, most challenging part? The customers. Yeah. I mean, you it's just nothing to work by myself and get the stuff done and stuff, you know. But sometimes customers don't understand that it takes time and and so yeah, I just answered that honestly. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> funniest moment, um oh sorry, funnest moment while creating the book. Taking my son downtown and showing mm. him where I grew up, walking him past the Cecil Hotel. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like, it sounds traumatic, but it was actually fun because I'm like, look, we live there and, you know, and he, he makes the best out of everything. So that was, it was, that was the funnest process out of take, like taking him to show him like, this is what's inspiring me. Cool. All right, here we go. Friends that had a major impact on the creation of the book. Friends, family. Um... I I would say honestly my dad my dad he 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 was the one from start to finish that was there so I would say yeah my dad and he will watch my baby for me when I would go to the library and stuff to get my quiet time to write so mm. yeah he played a major impact for sure okay cool 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 anybody else you want to shout out right now um I don't know. <laughs> everybody, right. we'll I love come back. everybody. We'll, we'll come yeah, back. Like... We'll come back. I won't get you in no trouble. We'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Cool. 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 All right. Let's let's um, dip a little bit um, away from that for a second. Favorite rap artist? 
Ooh, dang. I want to... Why you hit? Why you do me like that? My bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 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 the who that in me. I gotta go with Lil Wayne. Off okay, top. yeah, yeah cool. I do. I, I do. Yeah. Even yeah. though I was disappointed in one of the songs I heard from his new album today. So Wayne, get it together. We need okay. you. That's who that's need you. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you on that. All right, cool. Let's go with um favorite show on Netflix. Oof, um, Greenleaf. Okay. Greenleaf. Okay. Right. Yes, it's back on right now. So where are you right now? Where are you with Greenleaf? Are you are you caught up? Yes, this is, I'm waiting okay. for the episode. Like, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I just checked yesterday. Like, oh, this is a preview. I don't want to see no preview. Yeah, I really like Greenleaf. Look, I love it. Um, okay, here we go. This is a little bit longer, but here we go. If you had a time machine and can travel to any time, forward or backwards, where would you go and why? I would go to, uh, I would probably go forward. Okay. Yes. And I would want to go forward and just see what life would be like, you know, but like where maybe would you go? Are we, are we 2021, think, 2022? Um, no, I would go to like when my son is like 21, he about to be mm-hmm. eight. So I would go to when he like 21. I want to see what what all if i'm if what i'm working for is paying off in the future like you know i want to make sure what i'm doing now is not in vain so yeah i would go to see like just peep in on him you know what you're in here drinking and stuff <laughs> yeah. so yeah i love it okay um we only have two more so writing influences sister soldier okay hands down um her book was one of the first ones i read as an adult book her first her book was the first adult book i read the coldest winner ever um so of course sister soldier maya angelou hands down and then um i don't know if you know him but it's the author his name is eric jerome dickey and he wrote a lot of books uh i read like every book from him carl weber ashley and jaquavis uh there are a lot of that's that's a lot of uh they're signed to urban publishing so there's a lot of raw stories. That's what I like to read. Like, this could be true. I like this. <laughs> I love it. All right. Here we go. All right. Um, give me your um your best memory. Your best memory um growing up. Growing up, my best memory. Um, you know what? You probably could relate to this one, but it's something that I talk about often is the crab oils in Louisiana when the big buckets and all the family, like, you know, yes, our, our upbringing and, um, you know, the Louisiana culture, the Southern culture period is so family oriented. And even uh, when I went back home a few years ago to just see everybody be vibing and happy and it's all love, you know, I, that's what I live for. So I think that um, I still remember my aunt's house that I grew up in and she used to always have cookouts so i think before we came to california me and my sister we had a lot of good memories in louisiana so those those was the days all right awesome okay here we go now i'm gonna give you a chance to shout out anybody you want to shout out right now go for it okay i'm gonna shout out keith malinsky over at minky inc publishing uh my son of course uh mason i hope you're doing your homework He's in summer school right now. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
I guess uh, my sister, my brother, my fiance, who is such an awesome support to me and just amazing and wonderful. Um, my entire family and, and everyone in foster care, in the foster care agency system, from the social workers to the children. I want to thank all the social workers for what they do. And I want to thank all the foster parents for the, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. If nobody's told you in a long time or you got a foster child that can't talk, let me tell you, thank you so much for what you do. And I want to especially shout out all the foster parents that are raising their kids like their own. Absolutely. Hey, do you want to tell us about your business? Um, yeah, I can. Um, Mommy Grind is a custom, I custom make things and it's for moms on the go. I have over 70 logos, different logos because it ranges, you know, moms, we do it all. So, uh, you know, whatever she does, I have a logo for it. And I pretty much put it in a mix of the things that moms juggle daily. And uh, it it took off so well that now I have daddy grind, which is because uh, my business is mommy grind, which is also my IG name. But uh, yeah, I have designs for dad where it has like the sports jerseys and the Lakers, you know, the Raiders are my biggest sellers. So yeah, so it's pretty awesome. My biggest sellers are the mugs and the t-shirts, the polo shirts. So I basically custom make the mugs. I can put pictures on them, you know, whatever. I'm like a walking Vista print. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and bam, we got our sports reference in there. So we are good to go. Yes. Thank you so- <laughs> Yo, thank you so much for joining us. We truly, truly appreciate you. Um, thank you for look, having me. Absolutely. It's, look, I just want to say this um, to you publicly. So, so, you know, book is phenomenal. The Thank book you. is phenomenal. Thank you. And, and it's my prayer and my hope that people get a chance to go out, um, pick it up and read it. Where can oh. they find it? Let, let, can you let people know where they can find it? Yes, of course. So the book is available on Amazon.com. You just type in Tommy's Two Mommies um, or you can type in my name. Um, if you're not a pick up and read type of person, it's uh, the the audiobook is available on all major platforms, iTunes, um, Google Play Store, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you know, all that. So and it's two versions of the audiobook. One is the read by the author myself and the other is read by my son. If you know you have a child, he's the child's voice of it. So um yeah, so yeah, basically you can find it on Amazon. I was working in the process of getting them in Barnes and Nobles before COVID. So right now I only have them in two Barnes and Nobles, but they're out here in California. So look, if it, it'll, I'm I'm trying to hop on this now. Like I look, I love you, and I'm your I'm your cousin, but I am opportunist. I want to get on this right now. <laughs> I what you get need, Catherine? I want to get on this right now. I got your back. What you need? I want to get on this right now before the whole world knows, and it's just too, it's too hard to get to you now. Oh my gosh! Please, you'll always be able to reach me. Always. Thank you. I appreciate it. Always. All right, y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening. We truly appreciate you, and we pray that you go out and pick up this book right now. You want to get it? It is a phenomenal read. May God bless you. Yeah. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big. I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in hot.